Hi, everyone. This is Abhishek from shakethecosmos.com. And if you're listening, hit the follow button or subscribe button so you don't miss out on any um, episodes that come out every Tuesday. And also, if you're listening, hit the review um, button and give me a rating. That helps me with the organic searches. I'm really excited about my guest today, Susan Bernstein. And we have actually only met in person once. And I'm excited. We met through our mutual friend. And um, I'm just really excited to talk with her today. And Susan is, has an extensive background in executive and leadership coaching. Uh, she has been an executive and leadership coach to high-achieving professionals since 2001. She provides expert guidance to mid- to senior-level professionals to help them boost their career satisfaction and amplify their success. A veteran of leadership roles at Franklin Covey, Intel, Accenture, she knows how to help her clients navigate challenging work situations. Susan earned her MBA at UC Berkeley Haas School of Business, Go Bears, and her PhD in somatic psychology from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, Santa Barbara campus. You'll find her innovative thought leadership on caring for the health of your career in publications, including Fast Company, Thrive Global, and Psychology Today. Thanks for being on the show, Susan. Appreciate your, your time. It's my pleasure, Abhishek. So glad to be with you. Awesome. Well, we're going to get right into it. And I know you were sharing this little story with me of your transformation that you went through several, several years ago. Um, so, you know, I'd love to kind of time travel back in time and start out with what were the, what were the conditions? What was happening? How did it all start? Mm-hmm. My life changed really, really drastically, really quickly in five weeks, uh, starting on actually February 14th, 2001. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, not the most opportune time to say I want a divorce, but it was the only place that I felt safe to say that was in the therapist's office. Uh, I woke up and realized that my relationship with my husband was abusive. I was being abused and um, I was relieved to get out. And then two days later, I moved out of the house and took a tiny temporary apartment. And two days after that, I got a phone call from my mom letting me know that my father was in the hospital. He had suffered a very severe head injury um, and it was touch and go. The first 24 hours was very touch and go. And he wound up in the hospital for over a month. Um, while he was in the hospital, I flew back and forth between Arizona, where I grew up, and California, where I was living at the time and still live, um, to have two surgeries. When I was recovering from the second surgery, I got a call from my manager, who uh, I was working for a dot-com at the time um, in online learning. I had left a year before management consulting and made this exciting switch, but it was the dot-com era and not everything worked. But she said it was, I remember I had surgery on a Monday, got a phone call from her on Tuesday saying, well, Susan, um, it's uh, our dot-coms gone dot-bomb. You have severance till Friday. And I was like, woohoo, not really. <laughs> was not excited, was depressed. Um, and the wild thing was that with all those things happening with losing my marriage and my house and almost losing my dad, thank God I didn't 
um, my health was not in good condition and losing my job, my friends were like, are you okay? You know, all these things keep happening to you. And I was like, you know, I just keep getting weirdly more and more peaceful. And I didn't know how to explain it, but that peace gave me a chance to really go inside. And I, I had no choice. I mean, my head was like, go back to management consulting. And my heart was like, mm, no, no way, uh, no way. Uh, uh, that, was, that lifestyle killed me. I was working over 80 hours a week on the road for clients all the time uh, with work I didn't believe in. And so I remember specifically that uh, my head and my heart got into an argument. My heart said, you know, you always wanted to study psychology, uh, but I had done a business undergrad and an MBA, neither of which is psychology. And my head said, you know, how's that going to work? And I know it sounds crazy to have head and heart talking, but that is what it really, really felt like. And it was very strange for somebody who's, you know, super misprofessional to have this going on. But um, my heart finally said to my head, look, you always win the argument. So this time, what about if I win? We go for psychology and it's your job to figure out how to make it happen. Oh, wow. So I, I, I mean... So you you just said, you know, so many, there's just uh, so many, it's like a domino effect of things that happened. And there's, and there must have been so many emotions that you're going through. Um, what, what kind of emotions come through, come to mind, like, um, that as you process, as you were processing them? Gosh, a lot of anxiety about the future, a lot of confusion about what to do. There was some amount of excitement. It was weird excitement. Like my slate is clean. You know, I, I, I get to start with a blank canvas. Um, and that was unexpected because normally that level of, you know, uncertainty would be unnerving, but I, I felt oddly exuberant. So I had a very, I mean, I was not accustomed to having that kind of mix of feelings happening all at the same time. Wow. And I mean, I can... This these feelings and you mentioned earlier, like being uh, like sort of like it impacted your personality in some ways too. You said you know mis misprofessional, um, <laughs> and what 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 kind of changes did you you fit you kind of saw coming out of this experience within yourself? I had a lot of weird things happen. So one was that when my dad was in the hospital, the second day he was uh, unconscious from this head injury. And um, I didn't know what to do. So I felt very drawn. I felt a very intuitive feeling to take two of my hands and sandwich one of my dad's hands between it and just hold that. My dad's British. And well, there was never a written rule. It was like, uh, I never initiated contact with him. You know, he was always the one and I didn't have a way to go, Hey, dad, is this okay with you? But I did it. And I had the weirdest, wildest thing happen. I felt and saw purple spiral energy come out of my dad's heart and wrap around me. And then a minute, 30 seconds later, somewhere on there, um, a purple spiral of energy came out of my heart and wrapped around my dad. And I'm like freaking the heck out. It was beautiful and wonderful. And at the same time, I'm like, am I hallucinating? As you know, I don't remember taking any drugs. Is this what happens when you're traumatized? 
And my mom was in the room, in the ICU room with me, and she looks up from her, from her book. She's trying to read and just be dissociated and be like, it must have been really scary for her to have her husband laying there unconscious. And she's like, what's going on between you and dad? And there were no words and there was no movement. Uh, but she's like, I can feel this energy between you two. And my mom is not one to be like energy sensitive or woo-woo in any way. And I was like, do you see the purple spiral energy? She's like, no, but the connection between the two of you is palpable. And then my dad woke and stirred for a little while and started speaking for the first time. And we were like, whoa. So I did not know what to do with that. And then a girlfriend who I'd worked with in consulting invited me on what she called a meditation retreat in Hawaii. And I'm like, yeah, I need to med. I should learn how to meditate. And what she didn't tell me, thank God, was that it was a psychic retreat. Uh, because if she had told me, I would have been like, yeah, okay, Dion Warwick and friends, what am I going to do? <laughs> Call the psychic hotline? I would have been really skeptical, but we learned all these energy techniques, you know, dealing, feeling energy and moving energy. And I asked the people running the retreat about this experience I'd had with my dad. And when I was done telling the story, they're like, put your hands out. So I put my hands flat up like I was holding a tray and they hovered their hands just above mine. And like, can you feel this? I'm like, what's that freaky feeling I'm feeling in my fingers now? And they're like, it's on. I'm like, what's on? They said, you have hands on healing powers. I pulled my hands back from them so fast. I was like, oh, what? And so my MBA sensibilities could not make any sense of what they were telling me. It was like, you know, like you, you could have told me I was from Pluto. And I'd be like, what? But it was also exciting. And that took me into studying hands-on healing. And then I had another friend tell me, you need to go to the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, which is a hotbed of, of personal growth. And it had, has you, had, had, you, had you ever felt this energy before in never, your life? This, never, this never, is, never. And you're this just exploring is, more and more. so new, like open everything up. So I go to Esalen uh, and I really, really kick and scream about going like, this is going to be stupid. This is going to be woo woo. I don't want to go. But my friend tells me that I need to go study with this hands-on healer. And I call her. Most people don't call their Esalen instructors before. But I call her twice to be like, are you sure this is okay? I'm kind of a corporate gal. And the second time I call her, she's like, because you're so skeptical, you have to be here. And it was this wonderful woman who unfortunately has since passed, Maria Lucia sauer who's a Brazilian shaman. And I studied with her. I mean, as, as you're going through this exploration of this uh, purple energy and more energies <laughs> and what, what do you feel like is changing deep inside of you that's kind of you know, changing your personality or what, what is that? Like, could you put it, put your finger or maybe there's several things. I feel like it was stripping away things that weren't me. Um, that, you know, I, I couldn't ever go back to management consulting, for example, the way it is, um, or at least the way it was when I was there. Um, because it's so rigid. I feel like this rigidity, like a whole, it was like having, uh, not knowing that I was wearing an armor, a suit of armor against oh, the world wow. and having it taken off and having my heart revealed and feeling so much closer to 
nature and to people and to causes that matter to me. It was, you did know, you, did and you, it didn't happen all at once, but it would just happen more and more and more and amplify. So like, did that change how other people perceived you? Like, I'm guessing like, you know, they're used to seeing a certain version of Susan, but now she's like taking away the armor and the heart is coming out. What kind of changes did did you get any feedback from others? Yeah, I, and it, well, okay, so I had two kinds of feedback. One is people going like, "Okay, that's just weird, and I don't want anything to do with you." And I, <laughs> I definitely lost some friends, but I also had other friends and new friends say to me, "I love this version of you. It's just very real and raw and authentic." And um, I think I just became a lot more uncensored and a lot more vulnerable to share and a lot more confident to share. Wow. And I mean, and I'm sensing a theme here too. Like you're, you're, I guess you're, you're listening to your intuition. You're listening to the voice inside. How would you like, how would you describe that? Like, like, I feel like it's hard to hear that voice sometimes. Uh, and there's so many other voices like, you know, cats, dogs, people outside. <laughs> I, I grab it, except uh, I probably drop it. So one of the things that I have on my bookshelf still is this huge journal. I bought a giant sketchbook and I would write things that I was feeling. And I, sometimes I, I love that it was big. Cause sometimes I write the words in really big, huge, enormous letters or I'd scribble the whole page. So that was one way that I listened to what was going on. Um, and the other was very embodied. And I, I'm very fortunate that the, I, the traditional psychology programs that I was looking at were not appealing to me. I was like scratching my head going, but I always wanted to go study, you know, get a clinical PhD at Stanford or Berkeley or somewhere. But uh, I wound up at a friend's house and the book Molecules of Emotion was on his coffee table. And I insisted on borrowing it, even though he doesn't lend books. Uh, and uh, inside that book, which changed my life, I read about mind-body psychology, otherwise known as somatic psychology. And I knew I had to be in that program. Like everything in me, it was just this deep sense of knowing and trusting it was like I didn't have the um, hesitation or doubt it was just like it felt so aligned and it was and so you know the other piece that I learned from that program in addition to it being an academic program was very very experiential and so we learned how to pay attention very exquisitely to sensation as a way of knowing what our body was trying to signal. What, I mean, so how is it, how is the sensation like different than what an average person kind of thinks of sensation? Uh, hmm. Like just trying to think like dumb it down maybe a little bit. Like I think of sensation versus what. Other, yeah. What? It's getting way more granular. So sort of the difference between I feel hot or cold versus I can feel the very specific part of my wrist that's touching the table that I'm touching right now and the quality of that touch. So having a really exquisite vocabulary for sensation, because while I chose not to practice as a psychotherapist, I still use these skills with people, but the 
where a traditional psychologist will be very much up in their head and trying to, you know, figure out family systems or some other analytical way of looking at what's going on in someone's situation. It's not that I don't have some of those tools, but most of my toolkit is about listening like, wow, when I'm with somebody, does my breathing change? Does the tension in my throat change? Do my shoulders hunch up? Do I get a knot at the back, of, you know, in my back? What's going on in my body and using those as indicators moment to moment of my relationship and what I'm picking up from some, my connection with somebody else. I appreciate that. I feel like I, it's, it's, wow. It's kind of like the a secret, a little bit of a secret sauce there of how, <laughs> how things are connected emotions and in, in the body. Um, like I have some like lower back pain and I've been reading about how tension can lead to some of that. So it's, it's just yes. fascinating. I'll have to explore that more. It's called, I guess the, how can like, how can just day-to-day people kind of connect or sense, have a better relationship with their sensation? Um, what, what, what kind of stuff have you found helpful? Yeah. Simple things. Like one is to like, if you put on, um, any kind of cream, whether you put it on your face or your arms or you're putting on sunscreen or something, instead of just slapping it on, like let yourself really feel with your fingers that are, that have the cream or whatever you've got on, let it feel the cream and the, the connection with the skin that you're touching and let the skin you're touching feel and pick up the, you know, the, the touch that it's receiving. That's one simple, simple way of doing that. Or, you know, like one of the exercises we did that I will never forget is my class was small, just 13 of us. And we sat in a circle and each of us is pre-COVID, long pre-COVID, but we sat with a, we were each given a tangerine and we peeled the tangerine and felt, you know, the feeling of peeling it and then smelling it. And then we would take one piece off of it and taste it and then pass our tangerine to the next person. We were chewing really, really slowly and feeling the, you know, like tangerines have, I don't know what they call it, like um, the little pod-like pieces that make up a slice and feeling those and feeling those bursting in our mouths and, and then feel, and tasting that somebody, the next tangerine that came along didn't taste exactly the same. It might be tangier or sweeter or more sour. And it was just this, excitement like deep curiosity and deep reverence for the experience of being in a body and having the opportunity to sense with all of our senses wow and i mean that's just amazing i appreciate that and i, I you know we mentioned the covid thing you mentioned just now that's pre-covid mm-hmm. um i guess yeah i mean it's it's people are going through their own hardships right now. And, uh, I guess just, it's interesting. This, this piece of this sensation, uh, uh, I wonder how, like how, um, these tools can kind of be used again, uh, in different situations. And of course Mm -hmm. your situation was your, your own, uh, transformation, but I wonder how a lot of people can use these tools as well. Yeah. So I made a video at the very beginning of quarantine. I made a video that's on YouTube. So if you Google Susan Bernstein and I'm starved for touch, 
um, you'll find that video. Um, I will be story. sure to include a link to that in, oh, great. The, in, the, in the podcast. If you're listening, uh, just click on the link and you'll get to that video. So, you know, I share some things that you can do because I happen to be sheltered solo and yeah, I miss touch really badly, but there are still things we can do with our sensations. Um, you know, I just taught today, I'll, I'll send you the link, Abhishek, so you can share it, but I put a link, I shared it on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook today. So I'll send you whatever you want to share, uh, uh, how to, how to use, um, color and movement. So it is very bodily to help move emotions. I think these days our emotion, many of us, our emotional filters are full, right? It's like cleaning out the lint trap and we need to do that for ourselves. There's a lot of pent up emotion. I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm sad. I'm, you know, anxious. We we need a way to clean that. So I created, uh, or it's really something that I learned from art therapy um, you don't have to be an artist at all. You don't want to see what I draw. It's not a drawing. It's really an energetic representation that is a way to release um, emotion. So I love sharing those kinds of things. I think, um, you know, in times that are this difficult, there's a slowing down. If we slow down and spend some time internally, like eating really slowly and really intentionally and really feeling the texture of the food and moving it around on our tongues. There's so many ways to use our senses to wake up and have appreciation for our lives, though they may be difficult. How beautiful that we're alive and to appreciate being in a body. Wow. I appreciate sharing those, some of those, uh, I'll be sure to get those links from you as well. Um, yeah, I mean, and thinking about your, your transformation and how also your personality itself kind of has shift shifted. And, um, I wonder, I mean, like how people are going through now, some of the hardships and if people's personalities are, are, are going to change as well. And maybe some people are not even aware of that. Uh, and it's so funny that you say that I, um, one of my dearest people in my life is my acupuncturist from when I used to live up in Northern California. And though I live in San Diego now and I don't see her in person, like in the flesh, we meet on zoom and we were just talking about this, our people's personalities changing. We can't even see it. And I, I brought up myself first saying, you know, like, look, it's been hard as an extrovert to be alone so much of the time and to connect with people primarily on zoom. And, um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure. Uh, it'd be very interesting if we had more people keeping journals. I know that for a while Stanford was checking in with people about their emotional state. And I don't, or there's some research out of that, maybe more than one place at Stanford, but I do think that, you know, sustained, challenges can change us. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's worthwhile for, that's why I think it's worthwhile to keep some form of a journal and to reflect so that you know how you're doing emotionally, because that can lead to personality changes. Great. Well, thank you for sharing, uh, that as well. Any, any last, uh, comments and, or shout outs before we wrap up? (laughs) 
And I don't always share this, but this time this feels really important. I have this like saying that's a favorite saying of mine. It has been for years that if you want a sensational life, pay attention to your sensations. If you want a sensational life, pay attention to your senses and sensations. Sensations, yeah. Sensations, I love it. Your your sensations, how, you know, they inform us. They're actually a part of our emotional system, right? Um, Anger is red hot and outward and like depression tends to be colder or cooler and heavy, right? So there, but if you can start to zero in on where am I feeling that? What does that feel like? then you're in touch with what's happening for yourself. And sensations don't generally last more than about a minute or two. So if you're having a difficult sensation, just pause and wait and be with it. And it will likely change. And that also means that probably your emotions are shifting as well. All right. Well, if you want to live a sensationalist life, a field of sensations. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Susan. Appreciate your time and being on the show. Thank you, Abhishek. This was really, really fun. I really appreciate getting to do this. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week.